Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning, people. Wow, what a, what a lively crowd there is today. Are you loving God today? Well, we want to welcome those that are watching around the world today. I have friends and family that are watching and people sitting around in pajamas and all of that. We're going to talk to those people today. What a, what a, what a marvelous time it is to be serving God. If you're, if you're afraid to serve God, you, you need to call the police. Uh, I, I think it's time for us to get up and get moving right now. Because if there was ever a time in the world when you had an opportunity to bring people to Christ, it's right now. Because I believe the whole world is really out of whack with God right now. I believe we're going to have to come back to the heart of God. I want to thank Pastor Mark and Susan for this opportunity to share as I do when they're away. And so I want you to stand up and hold your Bibles up in the air this morning. I've been sitting around with God all day yesterday. I'm a little bit nervous today. Uh, I'm going to move this back so I don't spit on anyone. I'm a little bit nervous today because I've not gone this way before. I had to dig in yesterday to find some things that I believe that's going to help us to rewrite some things in our lives. Sometimes you got to write some things again. And so we're going to look in Jeremiah chapter 36 today, if you'll find that while I'm Talking to you, get your phones out and your Bibles and hold it up and repeat after me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what my Bible says I can do. Today, I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'll never be the same. And I really mean it this time. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, somebody say, Woo! Amen. We thank you for that. Your Pastor Mark has been doing a series on uh, CSI. I think he was talking about common sense investigation. If, if it wasn't, that's what it is today. And so, Pastor Mark, in our notes last Sunday, gave us lots of thoughts as we took notes, and he talked about getting our buttons pushed. And he talked about the creation of the last generation that's here, talking about the millennials. And I went home and I sat down yesterday and I was looking at the millennials. And those are young men and women that are from age 22 to 37. And they have decided that one out of uh, every three is only one, uh, serve God. It's only one in three millennials that believe that God is worth serving and is worth coming to church. And I wade through hundreds and hundreds of millennials every Friday as we go into a place called prison. And this is that generation of people that have decided that they are unaffiliated with the church. And we're going to talk about how the world looks at us. And we're going to give you a view at how we look at them. I don't know why people think that in the church we have a sin scanner at the door. We don't have a sin scanner at the door. We don't stand at the door going, Aunt, get out of here. Nope, you can't come in. You will mess us up, Aunt, if you come in. We don't have a sin scanner. Can I get an amen? 
but at some point in our lives as ministers and pastors, we do have to talk about things that despise the Lord, and sin is one of them. And so everybody's got their reasons for why they don't come to church. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. And then he talked to us about the desire to please, the approval addiction. I don't know where he went with the wingtip shoes. That's his deal deal. And then the one that uh, caught my attention was feelings and emotions. And so as I looked yesterday, there's a research called Lifeway Research, and they investigated or they studied 1,402 adults who were unchurched. And they gave us their reasons for being unchurched. And this is how the world views the church. And this is their common sense investigation that they came up with. It says that many unchurched Americans have negative perception of the church. And let's just get this one out of the way real quick. 72% of them say that the church is full of what? And you guessed it, amen? And so they don't come to church because we are hypocrites. They say the church is full, and that includes everybody. So if they say the church is full, everyone in here today is a hypocrite. And this is how the world views us. I don't know what church they're going to, but I don't think everybody in this church right now is a hypocrite. And then they say 79% of unchurched Americans think that Christianity today is more about organized religion than about loving God and loving people. I don't know what church they go to because we love people in this church. And then there's 86% believe they can have a good relationship with God without being involved in church. Uh, You just ask the inmates in prison. That ain't true. You cannot have a good relationship just staying alone by yourself. The Bible tells us, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together in the house of the Lord. You know, we have made it so easy for people to stay at home till it's ridiculous. I think we should start tuning them out just to see if they'll come. Just tune them out and then tune back in and say, y'all really missed it today, and then cut them off again. (laughs) Because they just stay at home. And so it sounds to me, uh, Mosaic Church, that that the cultural influence of the church is diminishing right before our eyes. This is how the world sees us. I guess we're going to have to step our game up because the Bible said that God created man in his own image In the image of God, he created him male and female. God has created you in his very own image, and the world is looking for the face of God. And if they can't see it in the mirror, they ought to see it in the church because they are looking for the face of God. That's what they're looking for. But the world doesn't get away. I'm not going to let them get away because in Amos chapter 11, we may be in this season of time right now. Amos 8 verse 11 says this. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, that when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or of thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the word of God. Maybe there's a famine in the land today. Nobody wants to hear the word of God. We have changed our way of thinking. We, we have come up with all kinds of excuses. I'm going to give you an illustration of what I believe Jesus went through uh, almost 2,000 years ago. The world has come to a screeching halt, and we are bracing for a 22-month report from Mueller. The world is waiting for a Mueller report. Can I get an amen? 
Washington, D.C. has gotten quiet. The whole world is waiting for a Mueller report. But I want to show you something about the body of Christ and about human beings. There's nothing new in the land today. 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked into the synagogue. He came in, in from, the, from the wilderness, from beating the devil down to the ground. Forty days and forty nights, he was out in the wilderness on your behalf and on my behalf. And he walked into the Sunday morning church service and he sat down. And an attendant brought him a scroll. As the attendant brings a scroll this morning, I want to tell you what Jesus went to. We're waiting on a Mueller report from 22 months ago. But they brought Jesus a, a scroll and he stood up to read. You can stay there. I have to give it back to you in a moment. Because that's what Jesus did. Just stand like you were standing by the president or something. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, it says, Jesus, he walked out of the desert into the Sunday morning church service. And he said these words to the people. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. You go ahead and listen to the Mueller report and see what you get out of that. See how much good news you're going to get out of that as the whole world is bracing for that report. But today I bring you a different report. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll. And he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And, and they began to say to, they began by saying to him, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And he handed the scroll back to the attendant. And the Bible said that he sat down. And the eyes of all the world, when they had got a really good report, of something that they really needed. And everything that they needed was sitting in front of them. Their healing was sitting in front of them. Their direction was sitting in front of them. Purpose and destiny was sitting in front of them. But my Bible said that they were furious at him, and they got up and drove him out of the city. Have we not driven him out of our schools? Have we not driven him out of our government? Have we not driven him out of our marriages and out of our homes? Can I get one amen in here? And so nothing has changed. You go ahead and wait for your Mueller report if you want to. I just told, gave you a report that they rejected right there. The Democrats are going to reject it and the Republicans are, are going to accept it. But they are not my God. That stuff is not moving me right now. You do what you have to do. But the world is in a mess today because I believe that we have literally kicked God out of our, out of our sanctuaries and everywhere else. And, then, and this is what they say. Some gave this report. They say our sanctuaries are filled with costly state-of-the-art sound systems, but there appears to be nothing worth hearing coming out of the speakers. Could it be that we don't like what's being preached through the speakers? Don't tell me about the speakers we know what's coming through the speakers. Could it be that we're not saying what you want us to say? We find this in Jeremiah chapter 36 and starting at verse 37. 
This was a king that is no different than we are today. There is no different than these people that are giving their report today. I want to bring you up to date. God has is, God is had it with the king in that time. And he's going to send this king some do's and don'ts. He's going to tell him, you know, here are the do's and don'ts. If you do this, you're going to be blessed. If you do that, you're going to have sons and daughters that's going to come after you. And if you don't do that, I'm going to wipe you and your whole entire family off of the face of the earth. There'll never be another son to take to be put in your lineage. How many of you know that's a pretty stern warning? That's, a pretty, good, that's pretty good coming out, out of the speakers right there. I don't think anything was wrong with the speakers right there. I think that was some pretty good preaching. But watch and see what the king does. In verse 30, Jeremiah 36 and 27, after the king burned the scroll containing the words of Barak written at Jeremiah's dictation, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah again. Now, you got to remember that the Lord gave this to Jeremiah, who was a weeping prophet. He said, take this to the king. Give him the do's and don'ts. Tell him there's blessings in obedience. But the king didn't want to hear that. Just like millennials today, the younger generation today, they don't want to hear. Many of them don't want to hear. There's only one in three millennials that want to hear anything about God. They're unaffiliated. They want to hear. They don't want to hear. Nothing is new. They rejected Jesus when he came into the synagogue. We're still rejecting him today. We only want to hear what we want to hear. And it's the same thing with the king today. And so he, he burns the scroll. He burns up the word of God. Can you imagine that? God sends him a word. It is purposely for him. And he burns it up. And so what's going to happen? Jeremiah in verse 28. God, how many know we're not going to outdo God? You can reject him all you want to. And so I'm sure Jeremiah is jumping up and down going, Woo, that was my best sermon. I, I, I know the king's going to accept that. But guess what? He didn't. The Bible said God comes back to Jeremiah and he tells him, Jeremiah, take another scroll and write on it all the words that were on the first scroll, which Jeremiah, king of Judah, burned up. And verse 32 says, and so Jeremiah took another scroll and he gave it to, to, to the scribe, Barak, the son of Neriah and Jeremiah. And Barak wrote on it all the words of the scroll that Jeremiah, the king of Judah, had burned in the fire. And many similar words were added to them. And so my assignment to you this morning is write it again. Some of us are going through some things right now, and God has made you a promise. How many of us know that in, in 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, I want you to write it down in your Bibles. You might be sitting there today and saying, Preacher, I don't want to write it again. I just lost a loved one. I just lost my house. I don't, I don't have any money in the bank. My husband just walked off and left me. I've been lonely for a long time. I don't trust men anymore. I don't trust women anymore. No matter what it is, the promises of God are yes and amen. And you got to get you a pen and write it again. You got to begin to say, I will not live the rest of my life alone. I am the head and not the tail. I will be blessed coming and going. You got to understand something. We have, I believe right now there are Christians all over the world that are not writing things again. And that's why so many in the body of Christ are sick right now. We're sick and we're miserable because you won't get up and take a step toward your healing. You won't get up and write it again. You won't get up and chase the devil out of your house. Sometimes you got to do it again. Just because the, 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 the somebody burns it up, God isn't going to quit because the king burns the word. He tells Jeremiah, write it again and add some other stuff to it. It's time for you to write it again. 
There are some of you right now that you're not walking in the promises of God because you have been knocked around and slapped around and beat up and and been told to shut up. You got to write it again. My allegiance is not to the color of my skin. My allegiance is to my God. That's where my allegiance is. You can't, don't tell me you're too black. You grew up on the wrong side of the track. You picked cotton. I'm doing pretty good right now for a cotton picker. I had a mother that taught me to write it again. I had a mother that taught me to say what I see ain't what it is. And we got to stand up and begin to write it again just because things are crumbling around you. You got women right now that are saying, well, I won't get in another relationship because the last guy hurt me. Girl, you better get up and get busy. You better write it again. There's some good men out there somewhere. There's some good women out there somewhere. I didn't think I'd be acting like this so soon, but I'm going to keep acting this way. You say, why? You don't understand, preacher. You don't know what I'm going through, Mr. Preacher. Well, listen to me. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God, and the word amen simply, simply is an affirmation. It means I agree. It means if you get up and believe in me, you can, get, you can have a wholesome relationship. If you get up and believe in me, you can go back to work again. You can get out of your sickness. This is one thing I believe that I'm going to have to start doing again and studying again because I believe miracles are for today. That's one thing we don't even hardly talk about is lining people up that need a miracle. We need miracles. How do we get it? The Bible says lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And I know we sent them in the corners of back there in our church and, and they are recovering. But I believe that we have got to get up in the body of Christ and begin to write it again. We have got to write it again. Let the sick say that by his stripes he wore on his back, I'm healed. Let the weak say I'm strong. If God is for me, who can be against me? What is wrong with us? I came to wake you up. Give somebody a high five and say, write it again. My God, it's time for us to get up. We can't just be quoting scriptures. I can do everything through Christ that gives me strength. I've been struggling all week and struggling all night, but guess what? At 12.01, it's a new day. Joy comes in the morning. You got to talk about it. You got to write it again. Joy comes in the morning. You may have cried all night long. You may not even know where your man was last night. You might not even know where, where anything was. You may have been suffering all through the night. But if you'll get up in the morning and look for joy, you say, well, it's so dark at 12.01. That's all right. It's still a new day. At 12.01 in our culture, it's a new day. Joy comes in the morning. I'm not going out like this. I tell you one thing. The devil needs to know that some of us came to fight. Some of us came to rewrite some things. And I want to say to my nephew who is is looking right now, you better get a good look at this suit and this jacket because it's too hot to be preaching in a suit. He says to me a couple couple of weeks ago, don't you have a suit? I got a closet full of them. Mind your own business. I am the head and not what? I can do how many things through Christ? That gives you what? He said, not half of my house, but how much of my house will be saved? 
you got to start declaring that. You got to write it again. When you see little Billy stumbling around and look like he high, you just got to quote it again. I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. And our children right now, the Bible said our whole house will be saved, not just one or two of them. You got to write it again. You got to say it. Put it in God's face. Put the ball back in his court. I'm ready to challenge God. Every day I get up, I say, God, I've asked you for this and asked you for that. I'm going to stay in his face like the little widow woman. I'm going to stay right in his face every day. That little old lady, she went to the judge every day, and she said, they've got my stuff. And he said, tell her I'm busy. She said, that's all right. I'll be back tomorrow. And she would go back again and again, and the judge says, she back again? Yes, sir. Same big old purse and same walking cane. She's still here. And then he looks out at her and he says, you know what? I don't believe in her God and I don't know what they're doing, but whatever you do, give her what she wants because she's wearing me out. You got to wear God out. You got to turn that TV off your Twitter and who hit her and who did her. You got to turn that off. Are you hearing what I'm saying? America will never come back to her senses until we go down on our knees. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous woman avail it much. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avail it much. Show me a house that don't pray, I'll show you a house in disarray. You got you to pray. You got to pray through. We, we cannot be a bunch of little Christians that give up. It says, uh, I haven't caught anything all night long. Let me tell you something for you women that's been trying to catch something. Stop trying to catch. The Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. What's wrong with you? You've been casting your net on the other side and catching the same suckle. Y'all are going to help me in this house. You say, you talk about women a lot. I'm partial to them because I see thousands of them every month. And I see that they're, that they're miserable and that they're crying out for help and that they need to see the face of God. Uh, the women behind the bars and women that are down, they don't need to see some man trying to manipulate them. Especially in the body of Christ. You stop your manipulating. We're not coming to church to catch and fetch. You ain't going to help me in here, but I'll say it again. That ain't what church is all about. I'm telling you right now, I, I, I want... I want our women in our church to be bold and bodacious. I want the women in this church to wait on God. I want them to write it again. Yeah, I've had three bad relations. I've had to throw them back every time. You let God cast the net for you. You let God tell you when to cast the net. Them men had fished all night long and caught in, had caught nothing. And they said, Jesus walks on the shore. And he said, hey, friends, have you caught anything? They said, no, we're wrapping it up. We're going home. He's like, no, write it again. Throw it on the other side. That's what we got to do. We got to throw it on the other side. You say, well, preacher, I'm just, I'm just tired. I'm wore out. Well, I can tell you right now when Elijah sent that prophet to the, to the, to the, to the mountaintop, he said, go up there and see if there's going to rain. See if you can find a cloud. And he went up there the first time and he said, there's nothing. The second time he said, I can't see anything. The third, the fourth, and the fifth. Somebody say, go again. On the seventh time he came back and he said, I ain't got much to work with, but I see a cloud about the size of a man's fist. See, all God needs is something to work with. God is tired of us hanging our spiritual surfboard back up against the wall. You better get it out and ride it out. 
Get your surfboard out and ride it out. My Bible tells me that, not the Bible, but people tell me that in California that a good surfer will wait for a good wave. I don't know where my husband is, boy, that's a good wave. <laughs> you better ride it out. I've been lonely a long time. Get back up on your surfboard and ride it out. And don't talk to those that are in the water because they'll pull you down. Well, I lost my grip. Well, And so that's, the, that's what the world think about us. And if we're not careful, we won't stay faithful to God. I'm standing where I am today because I've had to write it again. I've gone through some things. You got to write it again. You can't give up. You got to write it again. If God said it, I believe it. Now we're going to look at a saint who looked at the world. How many of us know if they look at us, we can look at them? In Psalms chapter 73, verse 1, he's talking about a saint, Asap. He had had enough. Asap had had enough. He was a saint. He loved God. He's no different than any other preacher or any other man who loves God or any other person that's running after righteousness. It's a tiring thing to be, to be righteous. It's hard. Some people say, oh, it's not hard. Yes, it is. It's hard. You say, why are you not cussing? It's hard. <laughs> Why are you not fussing when all the rest of us are? It's hard. Why are you taking that jacket off? Because it's hot. <laughs> so there you go, nephew. I do have a suit. And, <laughs> and so, in Psalm chapter 73, verse 1, here's a man who loves God. Now he's going to look at the world. He says, surely God is good to Israel, to those who have pure hearts. But as for me, my feet has almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. It seems like the world is getting richer. It seems like the, the world and the richer are getting richer, and here I am, and we're just running along trying to do what we do. And here is Asap saying, I almost lost my salvation. I almost backed out of this thing. Verse 11 says... They say, how could God know? Does the Most High know anything? He's talking about the world, questioning God. What does God know? Verse 12 says, this is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amazing wealth and surely in vain. Listen to what he said to himself. He said, surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. See, here he is looking at the wicked, opposed to stand focused on his God. And leaving God's business alone. How I many of us know that God can work alone? But here's Asap saying to God, you know what? Don't look like you're going to help me out. Surely in vain, I've kept my heart pure. I go to the church and pass out donuts and coffee. I put the bananas out. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and here I am being as innocent as I can. And I see the young, tall Girl out there, I forget her name, tall, beautiful black kid. She's every Sunday dragging those donuts through the church. I mean, I know that means something in the kingdom. I don't care what it looks like. She's dragging those donuts through the church and those, and those bananas. That means something in the kingdom. Because I believe that when the donut and the banana ministry shut down, we're in trouble. And then he says in verse 14, all day long I've been afflicted and every morning bring new punishment. It, if it isn't one thing, it's another, isn't it, in the body of Christ? If it ain't one thing, it's another. 
And so he said in verse 16, when I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply. And so Asaph saw the prosperity of the wicked. His eyes were fixed on much, on one thing. He saw their present, and he forgot about the promise of their future and their outward appearance. He could not look on the, on the inside of all these rich people. You cannot see their miserable, lost, messed up souls. But he's looking on the outward appearance. He's looking at all this money that they've got. And so over 3,500 churches are closing every year in America. 3,500 churches close every year in America. I wonder what would happen, church, if 3,500 hospitals closed every year. I wonder what would happen when that, that, that life-giving hospitals close up every year. 3,500. Wouldn't we not be in a mess? So how's it then that the hospital gives physical life to the sick body and our church gives life to a dying soul? So how's it that 3,500 churches are closing up every year? That's because there's a rejection. That's because preachers are getting tired and ministers are getting tired and people that work in the body of Christ, they're walking away and instead of saying, if God said it, I believe it. If God said, build Mosaic Church, then I believe it. No matter what come hell or high water, if God said it, I believe it. They're going to come. If we open the doors, they're going to come. If we preach, they're going to listen. If we serve, they're going to come. Now, if God didn't say it with the rest of us, we can just close up the tent and go home. But I'm going to tell you right now, the world needs the sanctuary. The world needs the church. And in verse 17, he said, until I entered, until I went back to church, then I understood the final destiny of the evil. You see, he left church. He had to get up and write it again. He had to go back. He just ran away from church in his own little, little thing he had going on. And he said when he went back to church, he reinstated himself. He restrained himself. He shifted his point of view of God's affairs, and it brought harmony back into his thinking. I'm going to tell you all something right now that are looking online. The church is where you need to be. We need you, and you need us. The body of Christ was meant, that, that's exactly what it means, the body. And so when you're at home and we're over here, part of the body is missing. Part of the body is missing. And so it is absolutely time for us to come back to the house of God so that we can help you. Church is God's schoolyard. And God is my schoolmaster. God is my teacher. And so he shifted his point of view. The sanctuary is, is the school of God, and God is our schoolmaster. And so I want to tell you something today. I've come today so to write it again. I've come to encourage you today and tell you that you can and you will if you'll get up and write it again. Stop dragging through life. Life is not easy. Life is very hard. Just because you joined the Christian club, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have some situations. It doesn't mean that life is, is, not going to, is not going to bring you some challenges. Just ask Job. 
If it ain't one thing, it's another job. Your house just blew down. Your barn just blew down. All your children, you just lost all your children. If it ain't one thing, it's another. And Job's wife said to him, are you still hanging on to your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? And Job said, no, woman, we must take the good with the bad. I will not curse my God. I will follow right through the end. You got to write it again. You got to do something again. Helps on the way. When the Israelites were, when the children of, of Israel were over there for 430 years, getting the whips on their back, crying out to God, 430 years. And then come floating down the Nile River in a little basket was a little boy by the name of Moses. Somebody say, Help's on the way. I don't know how your help's getting to you, but I know their help was floating down the Nile River. And it wasn't an alligator or a crocodile or a water moccasin that could touch it. Because God, that was God's help for his people. Your help's on the way. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Help's on the way. Stand up. I want to pray over you today. Because some of you need a boost today. You need a boost. The, the world has investigated us. And they have given us uh, their take on us. And Asab looked at the world, and he looked at them and what they had going on, and he almost lost his salvation. He said, until he went back to church, he understood what was going on. And so I want you to stretch your hands toward heaven and close your eyes. Father, right now, by the power and the authority of the Holy Ghost, we're going to write it again. Our children will be saved. Our husbands will come to Christ. Our wives will come to Christ. There is someone there for us, Lord. There is a man for every woman that will help her navigate a dream. Our children, Lord God, will not be gobbled up by the enemy. We're going to write it again. You said our whole household, Lord God, will be doing fine if we just believe you. The word of the Lord is yes and amen. There are some teachers under the sound of my voice. You need to get uh, studying again because God's got a plan for your life. There are some of us that have come in out of a place called prison never to go back there again because they wrote it again. In a place called prison, they said, I will not spend the rest of my life in a place called prison. And they walked out of those prison doors and they're getting their lives back. They're getting cars with insurance on it. They're getting houses that, they, that are their own. They're getting uh, uh, credit and debit cards with their own name on it. Somebody say, write it again. Right now, under the sound of my voice, there's some people that you may be sick. I'm going to take another five or six minutes. I'm telling you right now, if you have been declared, and for those of you that are watching me online right now, I don't care what your situation is. I don't, I don't care what the doctor told you. Look at me, woman and man, girl and boy. Today, you're going to write it again. By the stripes of Jesus Christ, you are healed. You are healed. We're going to put it in his park today. He said, test me and see if I would not pour out a blessing upon you. And for those of you right now under the sound of my voice, you got cancer in your body, you're sick today, and if you want a healing in your body, I want you to come and stand in front of me for another two or three minutes. We got some time. You saying, I've, been, I've got sickness. I'm sick. I've got something going on in my body. If that's you today, I want to pray over you today. 
I want you to get out of your seat and come today and stand in front of me right now. I want you to stand right here. We ain't going to do nothing weird and nothing crazy. As y'all come in, I want you to lock your faith in. I want you to hold their hands as they come in. And there's, I'm, I'm declaring it today. I'm putting God out on front street today. This has nothing to do with the preacher and everything to do with God. He said, if you believe it, you can receive it. Or you can doubt it and do without it. And today I'm believing for a miracle. And for everyone that is standing here under the sound of my voice today. Father, you say lay hands on the sick and they would recover. Father, we don't know what it is, but you do. And by the power and the authority of the Holy Ghost, right now we release that thing off of them in the name of Jesus. And for those of you that are watching today, you are healed. You need to get up and act like it. You need to talk like it. You need to cast it down. And you need to write it again in the name of Jesus. And so stretch your hands out. You already got them stretched out for every woman under the sound of my voice. I pray right now that that thing drops off of you by the power and the authority of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, it, we're going to believe for a better report. God said that he is not a God that can change his mind, nor a God that lies. Now, we're going to put God right out there. He said, if God, if you said it, we believe it. And so we're going to operate in our faith. We refuse to go back without writing it again. Somebody say, write it again. again. In Jesus' name. name. You love God today. He's an amazing God. Amen.